I'm ready. Me too. We're back at it. Sean and Cass, the Very A Podcast. Welcome. Welcome to our new friends, too. The new homies. Yeah. Yeah, they're coming out of the woodwork. Turns out all we had to do was start making documentaries again. That's <laughs> <laughs> all it takes. Yeah, we got to keep it up. Yeah, yeah. I actually went back into the archives this week into ancient hard drives from our life to be like, what was on these things? And is there anything that we could put out as like short films? No, you said you were like listening to something and you go, they're like, you're like, oh, well, I'm 36. And I'm like, oh, that was a long time ago. Yeah, that was six years ago. Crazy. Yeah. Six years ago, we were uh, running around trying to make a movie that didn't come to fruition. But that doesn't mean that there wasn't some awesome stuff from it that could be used. It just, it didn't. It didn't live up to the 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 film I had in my head. And that's the first time that happened. It's the only time that's happened so far. Yeah, I feel like there were a lot of other factors involved. Like we're oh, trying to do yeah. something very different. It was like very expansive. And I don't know. We usually have more of a container or something. It was too expansive. And I don't think at 36 years old I was ready to make <laughs> the magnum opus on a cell phone that I thought we could make. Yeah. yeah. I mean, now like iPhone 7 at the time that was new technology but now yeah. it looks like whoa yeah oh my god you look at old iPhone footage now and I'm like damn I was gonna fucking cut together a whole movie from this like it's one thing we did Trump rally all on on cell phones and like it's fine it lent itself to that but I wouldn't want to sit through a feature of cell phone footage from 2016 well I like that you're getting looser about editing you know mm -hmm. yourself because it just like allows us to do like less serious things more often. And I think that's always been my dream because like when we met each other, it was like, yo, we both like documentaries and stuff. And so it just feels like the natural evolution would be for us to like be able to be making movies all the time mm. and be putting them out and kind of just like doing like a little bit of a faster clip of it all. Yeah. Um, because we are very devoted to it, but it's like, it's like okay, we're doing this shoot, and then there's like all this time between. Yeah, I think we, uh, I mean, first of all, it has to do with inspiration, and it has to do with focus. So Two big things. Yeah, to, <laughs> to catch a wave of inspiration and focus at the same time, it's, uh, it's tough. It was tougher in the city, though. When we had our apartment in the city, um, the inspiration was totally like just non-stop i felt fucking so inspired but we were so distracted that i couldn't do anything about it a lot of the time so we said all right a pace that works for us is like one film a year and uh that doesn't need to be the rule for the rest of our lives we have more time and space now yeah i think it's always <laughs> the internal alchemy of how can you find focus like i've been head in the clouds the last month for some reason and i'm like just leveling into like a space of focus and it yeah. like requires it's like it kind of feels so silly but you have to like take stock over again and you're like god damn it i got addicted to social media again like how old am i like what is wrong yeah. with me how when am i gonna grow up yeah and realize like this is a trap even though you feel like you're really connecting with people and even though you feel like there's something real there it's like still taking you out of a moment and, yeah. a, and a space and a, a focus and it's it's um, fracturing like yeah. a focus so it's like it really requires like a level of maturity that I try to tap wow. into interesting 
uh, associating it with maturity, you know, because because I'll have the same inner monologue as you, you know, about it. But I think I I fucking cut it off before it gets too crazy because I don't like my inner conversation to have negativity, really, you know. So I start I'll start trolling myself like, what the fuck, dude? You look at Twitter right before you went to bed. What the fuck is wrong with you? And I'll like, what? Stop. It's just what I felt like doing. But as I've been more mindful about other stuff, I've been more mindful about that. Yeah. I mean, I think what works for me is like designating time and space. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I want to check Instagram, but it's best. My best relationship with Instagram is if I check it. All right. I'm going to start with once a day and then move it to once a week, you know? Yeah. Gosh, the modern problems is all this is. Like, yeah. Is how do we protect like our focus? How do you protect it? You well, know, you have we to have f- to play defense like against everyone who's like coming for our time. Yeah. They're coming for our attention. Yeah. You know, and then I'm co- and I'm coming for other people's attention. Yeah. You know, totally. and it's like this dance of like wanting to absorb each other mm-hmm. fully. Yeah. I uh. Yeah, well, I mean, we've been doing that dance for a long time, and it takes on different. It it, it evolves for sure. You know, it, it feels like more. The stuff we're doing now has become more and more like about us. You know, like we feel like we want to do this. We want to do the podcast. We want to make the films. When I'm making them, I'm thinking like, I'm trying to make a future version of myself proud. Less, it's less about like some random person that's out there like my future me is my muse does that make sense i like that i feel like i've never heard you say that before well i never have okay that's what that's what i'm saying (laughs) future me is fucking sending back the messages and saying hey boy settle on up now little doggy yeah it's time to do some shit and it's good because i feel like we're finally in a situation where we um have the space and the time and we know enough we we know ourselves enough that we don't have to be super precious about our artistic expressions, which feels very free and awesome. And I think it's why I'm anxious to do to shoot a lot of stuff now. It's because I assume I'm not always going to feel like, uh, for lack of a better word, high, this high. So I'm like, let's fucking get some stuff while we can, because I know we certainly suffer from uh, needing like a three month like everyone leave us the fuck alone we were just out there for a while you know i know we suffer from that so i'm like while i'm not feeling like that let's see what we can go get yeah i feel like whatever anyone can do to fan the flames of their creativity is like what we should be doing and i think most of the people who we are connected with are between i don't know 30 and 50 20 and 50 yeah and that's like those are the years that you like get out and do it. Yeah, yeah. It might yeah. be a wider it might be a wider gap of people. I just got heard from a a 17-year-old kid today from London. Shout oh, cool. out if he's listening to this. <laughs> yeah. He he wrote, we were having a back and forth. He's like, "Oh my god, your films inspire me so much." And I, like it it's so like we, we get a note like this every now and then, you know. It's when we haven't put out films in a while, they're a little bit more sporadic, but now that we have been putting some stuff out again, we're getting a lot of notes like that, but it's always so interesting to me when it's someone from a different culture and a different generation. Like this is a 17 year old kid who's like, your films inspired me. I'm going to be out there this summer doing my thing. He's telling me about the projects he's working on. I didn't know I was talking to a 17 year old kid. I'm treating him like a peer. We're sitting there like, 
Yeah, fuck yeah. I mean, dude, it's a it's a prescription for and your he's life. He's like, I gotta finish my last year of high school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but once I realized he was seventeen, then I was like, all right, well, I'm I'm really flattered now that uh, somehow our stuff resonates with a seventeen year old. Think about that. Think about being seventeen. I forget how old I am sometimes. Yeah. You know, like I want to be seventeen at heart. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was like 50 at 17 sometimes, you know what I mean? We both had that, you know? I think we both had to, just because of the circumstances of our life, uh, we had to grow up a little sooner than we wanted to. So our childhood has taken place uh, as adults. <laughs> yeah. It was just the way to do it, I think, because you have a lot more definitely, control. Definitely. Yeah, so it's it's cool. I heard from a guy in the middle of Russia who was just like, fucking wooks blew my mind man i love this shit and i'm like what the hell does this have to do with some guy in russia it's so cool but i think that's the whole thing is like uh the more that we connect with ourselves and like i said make it about ourselves it oddly resonates with more people you know so do you feel like wooks is the movie you've connected with most of our movies that i've connected with the most they're all the same I don't know. Yeah. It's so weird. I, I would love if there was like, a, oh, my true favorite or whatever. Well, yeah. I don't even mean true favorite, but just almost like relate to like, because I feel like, like, a, I don't know if it's a kinship or, or just feeling like, like we went to the gathering of the jugglos and like became jugglos through that. But that was more became jugglos in spirit mm. and like not giving a fuck and yeah, just radical acceptance and that sort of stuff. But um, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say because I don't know. I feel like there's like a merging that happens of like what we're trying to document and who we are and where we're at in our life, you know? Yeah. And I don't know. I I would say in that, in that sense of what you're saying, yeah, Wilkes is the one I currently resonate with the most because I feel like it's the most reflection of who we are right now. Yeah. Uh, But I would have said the same thing about American Sunset like a month ago before we put out looks. That that movie is still very near and dear to my heart. The more time that passes, the more I like that movie. American Sunset? Yeah, I think so. Oh, as as soon as we've we've finished it and put it out, I was just like, we're going to look back at this as one of our achievements for sure. Like a random guy called us and said, come make a movie about me. And we didn't even fucking know anything about him. We were just like, sure, we'll do that. We could use the practice. And we made something that was so beautiful and indicative of post-pandemic america that yeah you know and it's good heart medicine i like that i think so too i like when we can make something that's unabashedly heart medicine yeah i'm really excited about the next project wild magic that we mentioned on previous podcasts but Mm. i just want to take a second to shout out to people who have reached out and said like hey i know someone you should film yeah and i just want to say the casting continues for that so you're hearing this and you know someone who's like makes you feel high when you're around them Mm -hmm, that's all it is yeah you know those people the people who are like that we i I strive to be one of those people but i'm not i'm fucking tragically human but there's these people who like devote themselves to living on a plane of reality where they see beyond the veil and can connect you to that space and those are the people that we want to connect with for this film and they're going to come in all different packages whether they're musicians or uh, postman or whatever it is. A few is. people I've talked to about this that I thought could be very helpful 
I think, misinterpreted what this movie is, what Wild Magic is. And I think that they automatically assumed it was about psychedelics or drugs or something, probably based on who we are and our previous work. But I don't really, I don't equate the two. I, I don't necessarily think psychedelics equals spirituality. So uh, I think it just it opens up a, a, a wider plane for us to play around in. I think psychedelics will play a part, you know, in everything. And I think a lot of the people who devote themselves to that space are like either have gone really far out. Yeah. Or, you know, work with that. But yeah, I know what you mean. It's just the chemical portal to get to the same place that, you know, a lot of meditation could get you to or uh, a breakup or falling in love or making a movie or, you know, and anything that you're devoting yourself to doing something better than what you're currently doing. I feel like it can be an impetus for bringing your spirituality online. Yeah, like like it was good talking to Mitch and him talking about the accelerators and and how, you know, psychedelics can be an accelerator to that place and whether that's good or bad. I mean... I feel like it was everything to me, you know, yeah. to like peek through the veil and have a deeper love of music, a deeper love of loving, you know, yeah. like I love to love. And I think that I attribute that to like taking some journeys. Well, how would you, if if you were just meeting somebody and they asked you about your spiritual journey, how would you describe it to them? You could take your time. But tell me, tell me about your your uh, awakening. I mean, it started in puberty. Like I was really confused about what was going on, but knew there was like something more. But no one really had anything helpful to say at that age. Because because no one else was probably even asking themselves that question, or if they had dealt with it, they have like, oh no, I don't, I can't really think about that. Yeah, like I remember being like, what the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. And my mom just being sad that I was sad, but like, she didn't have anything like, she's like, it's life. I don't know what to say. I'm like, but what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. Um, and then like, what were you asking when you say like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, why am I Cass? I don't know. Like, why am I here? Like, what's the purpose? What's like, I don't know. I, I, I felt like in a psychedelic space. Yeah. I think puberty can bring that on. Like another time that life felt really distorted was like after a breakup where I was really confused like I initiated it, but it was still like your the ground you have to stand on like totally falls out, and when that happens, you're just like, whoa, what is life like? Are you oh, gonna fly? Are you gonna fall? Yeah, and you say this about like experiencing like loss. It's like when someone can leave you, you're like, oh shit, like life isn't life is fragile, you know? Yeah. Um, this this time here is precious, but I'll, I don't know. What to say except we did mushrooms randomly one night how old were you i don't know 25 10 years ago yeah oh 24 24 wow yeah and that was beautiful and it was everything that i ever hoped mushrooms would be which is like colorful and magical and i love adrenaline so it just like felt like a roller coaster and everything and but it wasn't until like i did a shit ton of acid that i was like Oh wow, things are insane. Yeah. Um, but I think the spiritual practice came from being so ungrounded and needing to find ground <clears throat> and realizing ground isn't something that's physical. It's something like 
energetic. It's about how do I find home within myself? How do I find safety within myself? How do I find peace within myself? Like, I think there's like a lot of looking outside of yourself. Like I look to you to ground me and like validate me. And I've done that with like so many people and I, you continue to do it because it's like kind of the trap of being human. But the spiritual part of it came from being like, oh, there's nowhere nowhere else to look like yeah the kingdom is within or whatever yeah, yeah. you have releasing attachment that uh that there's something that you don't know or you know like it uh, that's what it feels like for me is like um a, just a a, a a cathartic releasing of attachments and uh like it's it's just like allowing yourself to die while you're still alive if that makes sense yeah i mean you can talk about that more i guess what do you mean by that um like parts of who you thought you were to die yeah yeah exactly things you thought you needed you yeah. like to, to me that's what that's what enlightenment is is like you know is like a, a person that doesn't need anything it's yeah. not something like you stake claim to and like label yourself or whatever. It's it's just something that I think you temporarily inhabit from time to time. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. Well, the first couple of times you f- feel that spark of enlightenment, you're like, I fucking made it. Yeah. I fucking made yeah. it. I'm and never coming down. I'm mate. never coming down. And then all of a sudden you're like, <laughs> right back at it. Yeah. And it's, but it is, but having those like accelerators, those moments of like feeling oneness or peace or like, I don't know if it's above it or just like, I don't want to say above it, but just kind of like zoomed out. Yeah. Is like kind of, even though you forget it, it's a, it is in you. It's, Mm. and it feels like what was so scary about psychedelics is once you peek behind the veil, you're like, fuck, I'm never going to forget about this. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like I just saw something and came to an understanding of who I am in this universe or that we're all like the oneness of this place and and also like the grand mystery of it all and like we were talking about with mitch like time being an illusion which we scientifically can prove but we also just like to to experience time as an illusion is like its own thing Mm. i had a larger point but you get the deal i mean it goes back to what i was just saying about your future self being your future self can be your muse you know time's an illusion like you can walk hand in hand with that motherfucker and they can guide you and uh, release all the attachments that you think that you need to get to that place and and just flow with it and just fucking ride the wild, baby. Yeah. And it's like we don't even know what we need. You know, sometimes you think you need something. You need a partner. You need this person. You need whatever. But, like, how do you know? You don't know what you need. It might make you feel good in that moment, but that doesn't mean it's good for you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, like, a distinction that's, important to trust as just a being a thing because like if you want something and you're not getting it maybe you're not supposed to have it at that time and it's you can just more have faith in the process of life that's unfolding rather than the judgment of like oh well it's not how i wish it was yeah well you you know when i have a good check-in um like well life will throw throw them at you yeah and like so since we've been living with my sister who has epilepsy we've talked about her before she's 35 she has epilepsy she needs constant care so we're living with her and my parents and we're here to help. We're here to be in service and everything's pretty smooth. And then, uh, they all got COVID. 
Yeah. And Caitlin started having uncontrolled seizures for the first time. I don't know. When was the last time we saw something like that? It's been months. It's been months, if not. I mean, I don't know if we've seen that since we've moved in here. We've seen it many times. But since we've moved in here, like, things have settled down a lot. And I think it says a lot about uh, why Katie has seizures. Is it, like, she responds really positively to a peaceful, um, low frequency not low frequency, just like a, just a peaceful environment. She, that's, she res- responds really well to that. But then her body just got hijacked by COVID out of nowhere and it unleashed seizures that were so scary. They were, it was, but this is what I'm saying. I was, I was up there and I was making some food and Katie's out on the couch and all of a sudden she went into the first of, I think, eight or 10, like minute, two minute long grand mal seizures she's not breathing she's turning blue and uh i don't know a sense of like a a sense of peace and acceptance comes over it's like all the work that we've done to try to be chill like really pays off in those moments and i realize in those moments like maybe i'm not as attached to katie not having seizures as i thought maybe that's like not necessary for mine and my family's happiness you know maybe the seizures are a gift maybe they're a reminder whatever they are i'm gonna accept it and that's a tough one because you're watching somebody on the edge of, of, of life, you know, like just really just one little tick away from just leaving their body. Well, at that point, I think there's like so much clarity that can come over you because you're literally just praying that she gets her next breath. That's you, it. You it's really very, can't think about anything right else. back you're into that like, moment. I want this person to get an in-breath. It's not even about a full breath. Just if she could take a breath in right now we're in business, you know, and it it, it can be terrifying, but it's also just shows me where I'm at in my development and that I've grown a lot and that that doesn't have to ruin my day or ruin my life or propel me into a victimhood narrative. If anything, it just shows me I'm exactly where I need to be at the right time, at the right place that I need to be with my family right now. They're going through a tough time. They're fucking suffering up there. You know, COVID's no fucking joke. They're really suffering you know so, so um yeah we have moments like that where uh where you you could lose the thing that is most important to you in life and you're just breathing and you're very present and you're navigating those moments with grace it, it's crazy the grace that can come over you in a moment that uh could otherwise seem tragic you know and and there there's a lot more um emotions and uh spiritual growth accelerants in those moments than just this is tragedy you Mm -hmm. know it's so easy to just hang your hat on that and that and that's the hill i'm going to die on in this moment but i think that that just puts you more into a victimhood narrative for your life so i don't know it's just teaching me about attachment and teaching me um that this is where i need to be this is where i need to be right now and we're getting films done and we're in service so it feels like the best point of our life in a way even though it's fucking insanity. Yeah. No, that's kind of... I kind of feel like um, that's also like where psychedelics are like one of the most active accelerants ever is because it's like this real-time experience of karma. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, experiencing that on a level that's like so immediate where you like see your energy wave hit someone and then you see, see it yeah. reverberate oh, yeah. back. Yeah. You're just like, 
whoa, we're very powerful. Oh, yeah. Maybe too powerful, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Do I really want to be this powerful? <laughs> <laughs> well, because because the psychedelics enter your system, and whether you like it or not, you're going to go outside of your little story for yourself. And that's all I think of as the ego. It's just the story that you've made for yourself and the, the, the thing that keeps you surviving and and continuing on your path. Like, But when you're going to go beyond that, you're going to realize how many parts of that story weren't necessary, and they're at, you're actually carrying them around like a chip on your shoulder, if that makes sense. Totally. Like, so you're going to tell me about... Uh, your uh, path? My path. Well, because you were like, how did you get into, like, I don't even know if I'm spiritual, right? Like, it, it, for me, it goes day by day. Some <clears> days <throat> I feel very spiritual, some days I feel very human. Not that those two things can't coexist, but, yeah, you know, when I remember certain things and am, like, more in service or more in intention or more in my breath, like, I feel, and then there's, like, weeks where I'm like, spiritual what does that even mean i don't even fucking know yeah and no, i'm uh, yeah just trying to get by yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, i've i've been the same way pretty much and, and it's funny like going through old footage that we shot and hearing the way that i would interact with subjects mm -hmm. and you're like, oh that was cute that's how you were when you were 36 like you're, i was just talking about god to everyone like anyone that said anything remotely um, spiritual. I just went straight right there with them, took it even further. You're like, and, let's do satsang. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And like, um, you know, it, whatever. I'm proud of that little guy. Like, <laughs> he, he was very excited. Uh, you know, he was very in love and he was out in the world doing his thing and he was doing it for, for this guy. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Because I wanted to become this guy and you got to get out there and do the work and you got to hear yourself say some shit and you got to be cringe and you got to, just not fucking judge yourself and just keep moving, you know? And and I'm, it's not like I'm not proud of that stuff. I'm editing that stuff together now and putting it out. But it's a definitely, uh, it's crazy working with, with uh, the artistic remnants of an old version of yourself six years later and be like, wow, I've, I've been through a lot. I've been through a lot even since then. That was a different version of me, but I'm really proud of that little guy. <laughs> for getting out there and for yeah. doing his thing and for speaking cute. his mind yeah hell yeah i really was <laughs> <laughs> but um for me i guess i mean uh my my family's always been very spiritual and very spiritually minded and we've had katie you know having seizures since she was 18 months old so and the she took a seven-year break from seizures which was like a miracle yeah, yeah. It had to do when your sister Erin was born and then, but there were some prayers that your uncle did at some wall in France. There was just like all this oh, stuff. So many people back at like when, when Caitlin was, um, you know, a young girl, like we, uh, the doctors couldn't explain what was going on. No medication helped. It was just like, you know, the Western medicine just threw its hands up and was like, we don't really know. And my parents got very, um, into their faith and it, it was way beyond our religion with which is roman catholic and uh man there was people all over the world praying for katie and we were praying for katie and we were just actively uh engaged with our faith and my mom got pregnant with aaron and it, and it was a very it, it was almost it was a stressful time because it was just like katie is having out of control seizures and we're about to have another infant around mm -hmm. and we don't even know if 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 this is a, a genetic thing that maybe aaron will have it or who knows what's going to happen so um leading up to the day aaron was born july 17th 1990 
Katie was having 300 seizures a day. Like we deal with like seven or 10 now and we're scared shitless, like 300 per day. Like every day you could just count on, she would just, just go down and just go down. And then like, she'd have fucking 10 seizures before you even knew what the fuck was going on. And it was really intense. And, uh, uh, Katie came down with uh Kuksaki virus, which is just like a really weird virus that's very rare and it just it puts your body through a hell like and makes you run an extreme fever and uh she was just very sick and my mom went off to have Aaron and um we noticed on that day my grandma was watching us like Katie hasn't had any seizures. This is crazy. Katie hasn't had a seizure free day. But she hasn't had any seizures today. The day Aaron was born was the first one where we like Okay, no seizures. The next day, no seizures. Before you know it, Katie's got a clean bill of health. Like, for seven years, we would go take her to get an EEG at the doctor, a brain scan. And previously, her EEGs, whether she was in a seizure or not, was just was just registering constant activity. And she was all of a sudden totally clean. We got her off all medication. The doctors were like, she doesn't need it. I don't know. We don't know what happened here. They couldn't explain it. The doctors couldn't explain it to the level where they were saying it was a miracle. And we were like, wow, this is a, a fucking miracle. And, it, and um, it really made me believe we were on the front page of the newspaper. Like, it was a celebration. It was really an incredible time for my family. And then uh, seven years later on Thanksgiving Day, I, I was sitting right next to Katie, and she just went into a full-on fucking grand mal seizure. And I like, I remember picking her up and running her outside and like taking her out into the lawn and then my parents called an ambulance and the whole family was over. And, uh, that was when she was 10 years old, 25 years ago. And it's been fucking insanity ever since, but it's made me who I am. So I'd say the number one factor in my spirituality is the family that I chose to incarnate into. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of lessons. And I think everyone if they really thought about it for a second could fucking use their family as the curriculum that gets them to enlightenment for sure <laughs> um but it was kind of just happening in the background of our life and just growing up um when katie started having the seizures again just uh, things just got a little bit more intense my dad started using drugs uh again you know a lot my, i hadn't been used to that in my life like i he'd been clean pretty much and uh yeah, I don't know, starting when I was like 12 or 13, the drug abuse started. And, you know, you have to use your faith because, like, you have nothing else at that age. Like, the kids at school were making fun of me because, like, my dad would be on the front page of the newspaper for getting arrested and shit. And, like, it was just, like, it was just fucking intense. And you just have to start to, a little bit, turn to a higher power and just turn to that, just the faith that, like, things are going to get better or that you're here for a purpose. Mm -hmm. or whatever mm -hmm. so I had that all in me and uh I was cruising along pretty good and then you know mid uh, early 20s I moved down to the city and that's when my sister Erin got sick and she went through a, two, a mysterious two-year uh battle with uh interstitial lung disease it just basically presented as like stage four like holy shit like she doesn't have long to live that's how it presented so, um, yeah, when she passed away, I feel like in a weird way, that's like when my life started and that was, I was 26 years old and that's when I, uh, just like you said, there was just no more ground to stand on. You know, at the time that Aaron was dying, uh, 
Katie was in the hospital getting brain surgery. Aaron's in the hospital clinging to life. And my dad's in jail for crack. Yeah. Yeah. And so my mom's running between hospitals and visiting my dad at jail. I'm trying to start my career. And, uh, you know, my sister Megan was trying to finish college. And Aaron died. And shit just got really real. But I was filled with her spirit in a way that I didn't expect. I expected, like I said before, to just more wallow in the feelings of tragedy. But there was a lot more to access there. And uh, luckily... I uh, took advantage. That's when I started making films. Yeah. I don't know if I would have made films if, if Aaron didn't pass away. And the films were an excuse to uh, fucking go to school, you know, figure out who I am and figure out who you are by going and dealing with lots of different kinds of people and trying my best to honor their spirit and make them proud and tell stories of people that are like living life on the edge that aren't just doing the typical thing. So I think uh, Aaron passing away and me just uh, saying, like, wow, life, life can be so short, you know? Like, I, 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 don't, I don't sit here and say, oh, she had a whole life to... No, she lived the life that she came here to live. But it can be so short and you're not promised another day at all. So, uh, I don't know, it kicked me into gear. And just, like, also, now Aaron wasn't... Uh, you know, imprisoned in her body anymore. I, I, could, she, I could access her, and she was a very creative person, and she had a great sense of humor. She was very sharp about putting things together, and I just feel like I had her in me now, and that's when I started making the films, and I really just, like, that's been my life ever since. But um, probably maybe six years after Aaron passed away, I discovered mushrooms randomly one night, and all I can say is, like, uh, the universe threw me into that moment where it was you know where it was it was a make or break time and the universe just threw me something that was that could uh help my evolution and spiritual growth and maybe help me um receive some messages that uh my ego wouldn't allow to get fully downloaded and integrated because things were too loud or something everything was loud you know think about what your 20s is like and and it's hard for people that are in their 20s because they're like, no, my life's not like that. But like, wait till you see when oh, you're in your 30s or 40s or get, get so older. so much better. Yeah, yeah. If you're doing the work, things just quiet down. You become less reactionary. I used to be so anxious. Yeah. Yeah, like, and then and Saturn Return's a big thing. Most of our friends are going through their Saturn Return right now. They're becoming different people. It's crazy. I know. I know. Like, I'm so psyched for them. Yeah, I'm I'm really proud of them. Like it's so awesome because mm -hmm. it's like this, this time of becoming who you're going to be, I guess. I don't know. I guess it's always changing, but you kind of like, there's, it's like a coming into your own where I always like throughout life has always just wanted to be comfort, comfortable. Yeah. You put that as your highest priority. It's like my highest priority, which can be really lame, but, um. Well, cause you're going to hit a wall. You're going to find something that's comfortable for you and you're going to want to do that the rest of your life. But once you get uncomfortable in comfort, you know, or static. So, like, for me, what's comfortable now is, like, moving energy mm -hmm. and keeping it moving. But I've always wanted to be, like, comfortable in my own skin, yeah. I think, is the biggest thing. And that really didn't come until, like, after, like, turning 30. Yeah. I was like, okay, 
actually, this isn't so bad, yeah, you know? It, it happened w- w- with your Saturn return. Yeah. You settled in. Yeah, totally. And you've become a completely different person. You, yeah. You've become the person I always saw in you. you yeah. Know? And yeah. I, I remember when we first started doing uh, psychedelics together. You would try to bring some of the anxiety and all this stuff into it. I'm like, Cass, ah, sooner or later you're going to drop the little girl bullshit. Like, I know. And, and, and you, were, I, you were pretty patient with me, and I really appreciate pr- you. Pretty patient? Are you kidding me? What do you mean? Well, first of all, like, you're the love of my life. You're beautiful, and you're easy to be with, and you support me. Like, you know, there, it wasn't even a matter of that. But also, like, pretty patient? I was extremely patient. <laughs> I thought you were going <laughs> to extremely I thought you patient. were gonna say like oh that was nothing but <laughs> I mean it it wasn't in the grand scheme of things it was nothing but at the time it felt like damn Cass is a fucking really anxious person yeah like what the fuck yeah. like it, it was it, it was weird because like the beginning of our relationship you weren't an anxious person no I was confident and, and free and, and, and you're not now but this middle part, like oh God, pray I pray I don't go back there. Please don't let me go. Well, back I think there. I think you kind of have to every now and then. But I went but back there this month. I feel like I was like last week. I was like so anxious, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, I have practices. Where are they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, that's the whole thing. It's just apply them. <laughs> whatever yeah sometimes you just get hit by a tidal wave and you just get rocked and you it's get okay. feels it's okay yeah yeah um well thanks for being patient with me you really held like a higher bar for our life because yeah. you were like i see that you're anxious but you wanted me so badly to be present with you yeah that's what it was all it was about all- because anxiety to me spells you're not being present and i was so frustrated with you because i just wanted you to hold my anxiety and be like a supporting partner who like rubbed my back when i was anxious and was like it's okay but you were like this is not okay like you being anxious is not acceptable i will not have it you need to enter the moment with me right now (laughs) and like i used to think you were such a fucking asshole because i was like who what kind of partner can't hold their partner like if he really loved me he would hold my anxiety right but i was like i just felt like you made it all about you and that you didn't want me to make you anxious but no i think the reason i stuck with you through all of it my anxiety was because i knew you were trying to hold a higher bar for us to meet at together that's what i was just gonna say like like how could i be mad at you it's crazy because like you're saying this and i'm like oh god yeah i should have probably clarified more but i think i probably did at the time but like that it wasn't about me and it sounds like total cop out like I'm making excuses but it really wasn't it was more about like uh, it, I'm seven years older than you yeah. and I just had a little bit more experience to know like that the present moment is is a magical art project and right now you're deciding to pick up the brush of anxiety and just start flailing it all over this thing. And I'm like, we don't have to pick up that brush. Totally. There's so many other things. But if you want to, I can do this too. And it's a lot uglier when I do it. Really but ugly. Like, <laughs> but if you're, holding, if you're holding space in that, and I don't have the wherewithal to hold space and like, no, the present moment, we should build a monument to this present moment without anxiety, with just love and magic. You know, uh, yeah. I I mean, just having the wherewithal to do that and reminding myself, like, you've been that person. You, you've been the person, like, just a mess in my thoughts, not present or whatever. So, I don't know. I think more, like, the the frustration that you experienced with me being like that towards you was probably during psychedelic trips, too, if you can remember. 
like and that's what would frustrate me it's like man we we just took this substance and at the time when we first started taking this stuff we weren't going to be doing it for the rest of our life or tons of time so i'm like how many acid trips am i going to do i don't want to waste them fucking like just doing like therapy the whole time you know yeah no i don't blame so, you yeah, you know like no and now that i've become less anxious i'm like holy shit how did you handle me like that was rough yeah being being myself was rough being with me i'm sure was rough no no you're adorable and like we, we i don't know i just feel like from the second we met like we both knew like we're doing this thing together so it gives us a lot of space to uh figure out who we are by being a lot of different versions of ourselves mm, mm-hmm. so i yeah i think that's what uh devotion to a relationship can really do and and devotion to any craft relationships being one of them but documentary is another one for us but podcasting is another one you know you when you devote yourself to it you can figure out who you are because you're not going to be super uptight um, because it's not going to be the last, like this isn't going to be the last podcast we do. Knock on wood. Yeah, knock on wood. Um, but it, it allows us space to just like, okay, let's figure out who we are in January 2023. Right. You know, well, and I think even that's, if it doesn't sound so great. I think for us, <laughs> I think some people might see us and think, oh, you guys, you guys really do it. Like, you know, I think at that point we can stake claim to really doing it. Like we've put out almost 300 podcasts. We've put out 15 films together and stuff like that. Like, I think that exactly what you're saying, if I were to say I could encapsulate any advice that Sean has to people who want to create in their life is like, just fucking do it and forgive yourself for not it not being perfect. Yeah. Because you just like, like what I'm saying about moving the energy, you got to move the energy. You can't think, well, if when I sit down to write my script, I need to be in the perfect headspace. And when I do, I want to do it perfectly. Because no, it's like once you finally get to the place where everything's perfect, either your feelings about the script will change, but also Mm -hmm. we, we discount how much we learn in the process of doing things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. of making the movie of going on a road trip and to make a film that we never put out or whatever it is like yeah i just feel like there's so many creative people who have a lot of ideas who like to create and i think just doing it and then forgiving yourself yeah. for whatever you created is yeah. like better than not creating at all yeah it's a huge factor in this whole thing. And I think it's one of those things like off the top of my head and I, you know, I constantly am like listening to interviews with creative people and like musicians and filmmakers and whatever, and just trying to pick up on how they do it and how they keep doing it. But I've never really heard anyone speak too much to that. Um, that forgiveness is like a central tenant Mm. of being able to be a prolific artist and to grow as a person. I think it's probably the number one factor in what's driving our stuff. That well, that can even allow us to show up the next time. Yeah. Because I remember we did this beautiful film, Cam Girls. Yeah. And all I can, when I think of that film, all yeah. I can think about is the people that I didn't, like that didn't make it into the movie or that I, whatever, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I really... It, as time goes on, I'm getting better about it. But it, like, also, I had to forgive myself in that mo- moment. And I love, I love the film. But it's like, yeah, you're gonna be haunted. Like yeah. these creations will haunt you. 
mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you shouldn't create. Yeah. Like they literally yeah. will haunt you what you didn't do, what, how you could have done it differently, how you could have shown up better. Yeah. But like those haunting moments are just fuel for your next creation. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Forgive that person, but just know I want to do better than that yeah. person. I'm going to do this better next time. Yeah. And I, I think the best way to practice that is, uh, and it's great. I've had this just built into my, my experience because of the family I chose to incarnate into, like I said, is trying it on other people, you know, because fucking I spent the first half of my life holding grudges and being and collecting evidence and presenting cases and the whole thing and it's just like when you release all that and literally just forgive someone whether they need to hear it yeah or you need to hear yourself say that whatever it is and for me like a huge one was my dad you know it was really 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 tough to forgive a fucking crackhead who was terrorizing our family in our lowest moment. But um, when I realized, like, he is me, I am him, and I forgive him, it's crazy what that does for me. It's selfish. Mm. It's crazy what it does to me in terms of allowing myself to move on and not get stuck in the version of myself that hates my dad. And if you can hate your dad, and a lot of people are justified in doing so, and I was one of those people, you can hate anyone especially yourself. You'll definitely find reasons to hate yourself. And if you hate your dad, um, I'm guessing you hate parts of yourself because you come from him. (laughs) So yeah, I think that all that, like, like I'm saying, being born into the family I was born into with all these challenges. And it's like, I want to be close to them. If I want to be close for them to them, I have to forgive my dad and I have to really do it. And once I do that, then I realize I can forgive myself for the ways I treated him while he was not treating us the best. Right. And uh, the same applies to artistic practices. But if you're practicing it in your real life, in your day-to-day, with people, it'll, uh, I think it, it'll allow you to do that with your, with your artwork. And I think your stuff will just end up resonating with more people because it'll feel more pure. Does that make sense? Totally. It makes so much sense. I'm like, how do you... Any other questions? Any other questions? Yeah. I just want to have some fun. All I want to do is is have have some fun. I got a feeling I'm not the only one. All I want to do is have some... (laughs) The cover you played of that on the last Church of Chill. Yeah. Fucking trippy. Yeah, hell yeah. Really good. Um, yeah. What else is on your mind? Oh, man. So many things have been on my mind. You know, one of the things that was on my mind uh, this morning, uh, I, like, I just think of, like, I, I think about, like, uh, men all the time and, like, <laughs> why men have such a hard time and, like, I'm a man and I know a lot of men. I'm a man. And I want to see men thrive and I... I see it less and less, mm. surprisingly. Because women steal their spirits, or what is it? I don't know. I just think. Or it, because they're like the, on that average guy, an average, very average guy that you know, there's no war for you guys to fight in or something. Yeah. Well, p- partly, you know. Because we're in a consumer's hellscape. We're in a consumer's hellscape, and I think for a lot of men, it doesn't work, but we pretend it does. And uh, there just used to be just a lot more ways to. Like, like what I was thinking about this morning, I was like, you know, as cheesy as it is, 
men used to sing together all the fucking time. <laughs> no one does that anymore. You know what I mean? Like acapella? I mean, you'd go to a, you go to a fucking soccer game. You're singing with your boys. You go to the pub. You're singing with your boys. You know, like what whatever it is. Like I just feel like we had. There used to just be a lot more like, oh, when this happens, we sing this song, and everybody would join in or whatever. And it, and it's cute. It's really cute, and it's bonding, and it helps move energy. But we don't do that anymore. Well, it's COVID a, really killed the singing too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. So what do you what do you think men need in this life? I th- I think that just more men's work, you know. Yeah, more. what does what does that look like to you? Do you think? Well, I mean, every every men's group or every bit of men men's work is is unique to that moment and that <laughs> group of people. But uh, I I think it's it's like a radical acceptance and accepting who we are and we're accepting. Uh, look, we're all gay men living in America. Let's just fucking sing a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> You know, same thing with touch, same thing with, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't know. It just feels like when I'm doing, when I'm doing men's work, when I'm really doing it, it's fucking, it's very physical and it's dirty and it's like, you know. (laughs) Well, tell me about it because I, I don't think of you as a touchy man. Well, you know, I came across footage of this the other day um, when we went to Hawaii Remember when we went to Hawaii and we gave that guy on the beach like four hits of acid and two molly and he yeah. just took it right away and I was before I could even tell him what it was. Yeah. And this dude was like, you know, he kept saying, I'm with God right now if you need anything. And I was just like, okay. So I was just like, I just sat there meditating with him and then he got behind me and he was like, oh my God, I see your angel wings. I can fucking see them coming out. And he just like starts like touching my body and like not in a sexual way not in a way that could really be misinterpreted as anything other than like he was fucking hallucinating that i had angel wings coming out of my back and he was just like helping them come out and he was and i'm watching footage i didn't even realize we had footage of this moment because it was just such one of the trippiest moments of my life and i guess you were sitting there just filming it and he's just speaking in tongues and like touching my back and it's just going beyond space and time and, it, and it's just in a very, uh, but also in a primordial way. Mm-hmm. So I just, I just let go and like let this dude manhandle me, and it was awesome, <laughs> you know. Oh, well, it's been a long time since you've been manhandled, I guess. Yeah, but well, then I have my wings, you know. So I don't, I don't need it as much. <laughs> but in that moment, I needed it, and like I probably hadn't had a dude fucking ever come near me like that. <laughs> And and it was cool. It helped move energy. It helped say for me say like, okay, whatever. Like, I thought that that kind of expression was off the table for for a guy like me because I'm too sensitive or have too many hangups or uptight. But you're from a generation that is like a little more. I'm from a generation that if you did anything that wasn't the most manly masculine thing ever Yeah. in any given moment throughout the school day on the bus, playing with your friends after school, whatever that you were accused of being gay. Yeah. You know, and, and that uh, was bad. It was bad. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really bad. <laughs> yeah. Back in like fourth grade when people first learned the F word, you know, yeah, not fuck you, the yeah, other one yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're throwing that around and like, yeah, it's fucking intense and crazy. And that was like, I might be the last generation that went through that. Like people that came up in the eighties and nineties before people were like, eh, no, 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 stop it. You know, I saw something on Reddit where someone was like, 
look at how this guy responded to me telling them I'm trans. And it was like, oh, I don't care about your past. I mean, this is 2019, you yeah. know, like just kind of, you saw that too. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, damn, like this is, shit's getting forward yeah. in a way that's really cool because yeah. like everything was very like limited and rigid. And, and that's why I like, I really appreciate the younger generation just like burning all that down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it helps because it, it just helps with the forward momentum. I feel like we're in a bit of cultural stagnation for a minute there and, I don't know, something about Donald Trump rearing his head into politics, like just popped our immune system into action to like update. And so we could fight off and make sure that uh, people don't get unnecessarily exploited and subjugated and victimized. But I, I think yeah, something about his, the, his appearance on the scene and what he represented, I think made us all, uh, rethink the way we've been doing things and i don't know i don't even know what i'm talking about but no i hadn't thought about it like that but i know it i know it did for us like we were like let's just live our life more free like there's there's no illusion of like there's a way to do things because those who do things well obviously don't succeed Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know it's like a failing upwards thing so it's like do i want to fail upwards or do i just want to be like a more genuine person yeah even even if it is at the behest of my comfort. Yeah. Well, because when the fucking biggest idiot is the president of the United States, you're like, what do I even give a fuck for? Like, yeah. being successful doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, the most successful person in our culture right now is, like, the most off-putting person you could probably even think of. Yeah. I mean he was the perfect reflection of what this country is and is all about. Mm-hmm. And pretty much also who gets in charge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it it was good. It was very, like I always said, Donald Trump was like acid for America. Like it made some people fucking lose their fucking shit. And it made a lot of people realize some important things about what this country is and what it's really all about. And, uh, it was, uh, it, you could look at it as it was a, a healing and revealing thing by like, just like fucking just a wildfire of a president just going crazy, just being a fucking sexist, racist, homophobe, xenophobic, like just like all of our lowest qualities amplified. And the person that's representing the person that's representing our country is an amalgamation of all of our worst qualities amplified. Right. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it created kind of a cultural reckoning and it's we're in an awkward phase right now of updating our operating system. And I think, uh, you know, in, in a, to a certain degree, I think like we might be going overboard with bringing way too many sensitivities to the table and just creating a whole new fucking minefield of uh, craziness. But if that's what's necessary to build a better future, it's what's necessary. So. I've learned to just go with the flow a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to get back to men's work. Okay. Sorry, I got off track. I um, love it. So we had that moment on the beach. Yeah. And that was big. And I, I remember you and our friend Mara was like, you guys were like, that was fucking awesome. Like bearing witness to that. Because I think you both knew me pretty well. And 
you know, I'm not like super touchy feely with other dudes. <laughs> yeah. I'm not really super touchy feely with anyone. I'm like, when are babe. you going to be gay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, I don't know. Like, we got to start by uh, f- physical contact. With <laughs> man. Let's start there. <laughs> but yeah, I think in, in, the, in the years after, you know, because I was, uh, I guess, able to through that moment um forgive the version of me that was had internalized homophobia right i was i'm able to offer that to other men you know and if you can remember like when our friend peach was going through his dark night of the soul after he had a breakup and uh just losing the narrative in a pretty scary way in a pretty confrontational way Mm mm-hmm I was able to get in there and use some of those lessons and fucking help his some, angel wings. Yeah. yeah, I got some skin to skin with my boy. Help <laughs> his angel wings come out. Do I mean do what I have to do without boundaries? Yeah, to help another person and be in service. Yeah, it's, it's fucking incredible. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, I'm I'm well equipped to to help another man if I have the time and space. I'm well equipped to help another man get through. You know. I mean, that's all we're doing in life is helping each other get through, Yeah, you know, and there's weird ways we do it and little songs we sing, but, you know, we're just trying to help each other feel comfortable here, I feel like, and safe, and and I feel like that's what so many people do for me, you know, in so many ways, and that's what I want to do for other people, and I don't, sometimes I don't, it doesn't, it takes be, feeling unsafe to realize that that's what's going on here. Mm-hmm. that we're all just like singing each other a little song of it's okay and some people sing that song by going to work and making sure they get their bills played and that they're an upstanding citizen and some people do it by saying i'm not going to play that game yeah and there's no wrong way of doing it you know i think we're just doing our best here and we're doing our best for ourselves but we're also doing best our best for other people to know like yeah like it's cool we're getting through, we're trying, we're doing, we're doing it. Yeah. You have a lot of compassion, you know, it's a very, it's, it's really cool. And I think it, a, a term that, that has always been thrown around lightly in my life, but it's really true is you get what you give. And, uh, I see, I see you live your life like that. Like you're such a sweetie. You're so nice to people. You genuinely treat them the way you'd want to be treated. And they, you get treated with that respect in return. Sometimes. <laughs> I think most of the time. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. And um, I haven't always been like that. Yeah, you play a different game. but I can be a bit of a tyrant demanding that I get treated a certain way as opposed to just treat somebody that way or treat a thing that way and just expect it in return. I can do the opposite, you know. Like demand it. Be demanding and then, you know, I get resistance and then I'm it's... fucked up over it, you know. Yeah, I don't... I don't think it's wrong to tell people what you need in this life and I think that's what you do more and I'm trying to do it more you know say like this is what I need like I need to f- you know feel a certain level of energy from you for me to p- keep putting energy towards you you know what I mean yeah and if you don't feel it it's like it's no harm it's just like it is yeah and I think that's what you were saying you've said to me and you've said to many other people is like I'm showing up so much right now yeah. Like, I'm really showing up for you. and You're not even noticing. You're not even noticing. You're not here. You're not here. You're elsewhere. you got other things. And that's fine, but like... Oh, it really gets me. It is hard. It, it is hard really when that happens, when me. you feel like you care more about someone 
then they can reciprocate. Yeah. Or even notice. <laughs> or even notice. That's yeah. what gets me. It's like, it's one thing if you don't have the ability to reciprocate. If you don't have the ability to even receive it, like, it's, it's just a fucking waste of my time here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are people out there that will be very appreciative of my energy and presence and you are not one of them. So moving on. Right. Yeah. Um, there, God, there was something else I just want to say about that. I can't remember. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't think I'm glad that there are people like you who are a little bit more fiery in their I am. expression. I am. Um, I mean, it definitely attracts me. So yeah, yeah. I can see That's how it could be an extremely off putting quality. Well, it's not for everybody. It's it's not for everybody. But and I like you handle it so well that when I treat the world like that and it doesn't respond, I'm like, oh wait, that's Cass. She not just, everyone wants to get fucking told what to do. I'm, I mean, that's just like a small part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I I, I try not to be self righteous, but I try to respect myself. You know, it was a funny thing I came across the other day. What? I, I I've talked about it on the podcast before, but um, we have. We have new listeners, I think. I think we have a bunch of new listeners. Good, so. because we've just been repeating ourselves for a fucking couple hundred <laughs> podcasts right now. Have we? <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, we're telling stories about our life. For, like, yeah, yeah, that but, you, but that's why know. I'm not hesitating to tell some of these stories. Because, well. like, a lot of people are writing to me. Like, I just binge-watched all your podcasts, and I'm like, oh, God. I'm like, oh, fuck, you know? So yeah. I know that there's new listeners or whatever. Um, But we used to have, like, a real deal like stalker troll in our life yeah and, uh, yeah this dude ed david <laughs> <laughs> can't you beep out his name no <laughs> he he publicly very publicly um you know was horrible to you horrible horrible yeah. for seven years yeah and if for, someone's this deep into a podcast it's like i don't cares? care yeah. i don't i don't care um but for seven years, this guy fucking terrorized our life from every angle you could. Mm -hmm. um, Facebook, fucking, I'll be on your comments. I'll be in your emails. I'm going to contact all your um, all, all your clients. I think I'm going to contact future clients. I'm going to contact your girlfriend who I don't even know. I think the most unforgivable post he ever made was like saying, like, you're the reason your dad did drugs or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, your your it's sister like, Aaron would would be so disappointed in who you became, my which, sister who died, yeah, and saying, yeah, I'm the reason that my dad did drugs and all this stuff. And I'm like, I know this person's having a mental breakdown, but I literally have not said a word to this person in seven years. Yeah, like I don't. You guys probably need some skin to skin, honestly. <sighs> Man, I wasn't even putting two to two two and two together. <laughs> but that's where we're going with this, aren't we? God damn it. Son of a bitch. <laughs> anyway, this guy was just a jealous bitch who was like had mental health issues and just made me um, just the center of his life. And like my work had nothing to do with him. It just like it, he just kept coming at us and kept coming at you and coming at my friends and my parents. And I would I, I would I would get a new client and they would say, hey, the reason we didn't hire you sooner is because this guy Ed David fucking wrote us a really wild email saying all these accusations about you. And I'm like, what? So, like, just this person was just fucking with, he want, He was trying to cancel me before that was even a thing. He was desperately just wanted me to kill myself. Like, he did not He did not want me to exist, let alone be making stuff that made people happy. And uh, it went on forever, like I said, for seven years with how much response from me? Zero. 
never he didn't get a thing from me and then i'm going through the uh, old hard drives the other day and i found a backup of one of my phones from back then from i think it must have been 2016 and he's it's a screenshot of a text of him writing like oh your new film trump rally is very special and it's a very important thing people really need to know what's going on it's beautifully put together this and that and he's like trying to compliment me and then follow it up with like hey sorry about all that stuff uh from years ago you know i was going through some shit and uh I'm on some medication now and I think I'm um evening out and blah blah blah. All this just like fucking making excuses. This is a half ass apology and I just wrote leave us alone. <laughs> Cuz you weren't in your forgiveness back then. I think that you can be without having to you know say it. Yeah. Yeah, because I do forgive him. Mhm. Yeah, I do. And uh I don't really think about him that often, but I used to. And that's kind of how I know I've forgiven him cuz I'm like yeah, oh, whatever. In some weird way, uh, that was me doing that to myself. You know, like uh, it's, sometimes you need someone to push up against, and you uh, need someone to prove wrong. And he like it would ins- drive me crazy if I knew he heard this. But yeah, he probably made me a little bit better at what I do. Yeah, because you're like fuck off, man. Like you, yeah. like we need, and that's why I'm addicted to you. And that's like, if you have too much fire in your chart. You probably don't need this, but if you don't have a lot, like you need, you need a Sean. <laughs> not, no, you don't need a Sean. You need like, there is ways to like spark the fire of your life, and maybe it's like, oh, you have a lot of fire, but you don't have water. It's like, um, it's Ayurveda, Ayurvedic. You know, yeah, I don't really yeah. know the concepts that well, but it's like, uh, Pitta and Veda and whatever it is. But it's like you got to find your balance mm-hmm. between what exists in your natural birth chart and then how to enliven your spirit by like welcoming all the elements yeah yeah um you know and that's where i think that i'm like earth for you oh 100 percent. i i i had never uh had my feet so firmly planted in this earth as to when i met you you know well, like, we, like you really yeah. just brought in an element where all of a sudden i felt grounded enough that i could see the territory mm. and i could see what we needed to do and when we needed to do it and um Maybe not super specifically, but a lot of times, yeah. And I didn't have that vision for my life before that. It was more of a chicken with my head cut off, like, what's going to make me feel good right now? And what's going to make me feel good now? What's going to make me feel good now? It wasn't a grand vision for uh, the way our artistic life would play out. But when I met you, you came in with that energy that allowed me to use my flamethrower in more useful ways than just eviscerating people online and defending our films or whatever and it's crazy as much of a flamethrower as i had i never used it on this motherfucker ed i never i never like I you really... must have though when you guys were roommates or something because he holds something against you like i think you must have flamethrowned him one night or one shoot or something and he just like did not recover and he was like i'm gonna get him uh, yeah maybe yeah he uh i i don't know i can't speak for him but it seems to be the thing that triggered him. I is, get a sense, though, that he saw your flamethrower and was like, I need to protect the world from Sean's flamethrower. Well, I mean, I don't know. You, you know, you didn't know me as much back. You didn't know me back then. Yeah. This is like right when my sister died. Yeah. And I was um, getting into a relation. I wanted to move in with my girlfriend at the time who ended up marrying. Yeah. And... uh y- Ed and I lived together, and then I was like, cool, I'm going to move in with her now. And He just maybe felt abandoned. I think he felt abandoned because the first two things I made, him and I shot together. And then I was like, this guy's a nightmare to work with. 
I'm going to work with somebody who I can actually collaborate with. And um, I started working with a different cinematographer, and that's what triggered him. And then he he just started trolling all the work. Well, it's like you guys had a bad breakup, you know, and I think sometimes when you break up with someone, you want to maintain your significance in their life. And you're, like, clinging, like, how can I be significant in your life? Mm. You know, there's, like, this addiction that to, like, having someone's attention that you can it can be like hard to wane off of that it's it's what he chose at the time as a single guy 30 years old trying to get his career started he chose to go down that path and and that's sad that's sad and he probably could use some skin to skin with your boy (laughs) i don't even know what i would say i do remember at one point though i reached out and uh i was like let's just put all this behind us why don't you come by and like let's just fucking put all this behind us and he was like, absolutely, man. I really appreciate that. And he just never showed up. Probably for the best. Probably for the best. Yeah. It's never too late, though. Yeah. Do you think Do you think our criminal justice system should include skin-to-skin contact? And do you think... <laughs> <laughs> do you think, like... Do you think it's like, okay, you guys got in a bar fight and you guys, like, need to hug it out naked or something? Like, you guys need to spend uh, two days... In a hotel room with no clothes on together. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even if it's like fight it out, like MMA. That's style. part of men's work. Yeah, like MMA it. Yeah. This other thing that the thing Ed was trying to do with me was bitch work. Yeah. It has nothing to do with men or women. That was just bitch work. It's you're being a bitch and you want me to respond by me being a bitch. This is bitch work, you know. Real men's work. We would have been confronting our shit. We might have had to duke it out a little bit. We might have had to throw some paws. I might have had to fucking unretire my goon hand. But you never know. Why are you so good at, like, walking away from situations? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I mean, go upstairs. Go upstairs. It's conflict nonstop. So yeah. you've learned to self-protect. I've learned that you can choose to um, get involved with conflicts or walk away from them or try to resolve them or, you know, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Grow up in a household like this. You'll learn to pick and choose your fights wisely. And when this little bitch fucking came at me with all this energy, I'm like, my sister just died. My other sister's fucking getting brain surgery and my dad's in prison. What is your little thing about my life? Sorry, sorry. Uh, I was distracted with life. Yeah. Throwing some shit at me. Sorry. What was your little comment from the sideline about the way I should be conducting myself? Yeah. Fuck yourself, bro. Go fuck yourself. Needless to say, I've forgiven this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it's funny because I've looked. I saw that screen grab of that text, and I was like. Oh, damn, that's from 2016. I was already well on my way to like being the guy I am today. But I was also a little proud of myself being like that I held my ground. That this guy, like, he didn't just try to make my life a living hell. He tried to make your life a living hell. And I think that's where I was just like, leave us alone. I'm not giving you. There, there's, no, there's no space for you to be in my life. Mm. I forgive you. It's over. Whatever. But there's no space for you to be in my life. But you guys were in each other's lives when the time was right. And I think that's really what happens is different people come into our life at the different right times. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you gotta, you gotta leave situations when they're not good because then you make space for situations that'll be better. Yeah. And 
I'm glad that you had the wherewithal to, I don't know, traverse that situation. And But, like, yeah, I, I think the whole, it really did bring out the worst in you and the best in you. So Well, it, it, it brings out, you know. And it's good. It's a, it's a good thing when when there's when there's moments or people that bring this stuff up, and you can kind of practice. And it's like, well, this is bringing to the surface uh, some paranoia I didn't know I had. Like, wow, okay, this is bringing to the surface like a scarcity mentality that I'm not used to. That I don't live my life in. I don't see why me making a film has anything to do with a person that had nothing to do with it. Yeah. Oh, unless you're in a scarcity mindset. Where there's oh, only so much. There's only so many people and so, so many much time and, and so, so many ideas. Yep, exactly. So, uh, yeah, he, cho- he chose to make me a demon in his life. And I chose to say, not this time, buddy boy. <laughs> Damn, Cass, we were supposed to have like a light, funny loose conversation i know we were like let's just we keep were it just funny fucking so serious this whole time well can we end on a funny note um you let's keep doing it let's go over to let's uh hop on the patreon and do part two okay you down sure let's get really loose cool i'll get really high okay and who wouldn't want more of this if you're still listening right now and you're not part of our patreon there's tons more stuff on there it's a good time. Like part two. It's where we're actually funny. Yeah, we it's where we're funny actually time. funny. Yeah. Here, we're just too self-serious. We have to do, on, 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 on part one, we have to like. Get out the bullshit. Get out all the serious stuff. and like, oh, think we know what we're talking about. Yeah, like make our, convince ourselves that we know what we're doing and we know what we're sounding. We, we, we know the way we should sound <laughs> and like all this shit. And on the other one, we're just like, it's just like hanging with our homies. Uh, so uh, join us for part two. Those are called uh, afterglows. Yeah. Join us for the afterglow on patreon.com slash church at chill, where we also have uh, access to our discord community is available. The church at chill radio show weekly hour and a half of psychedelic music. And uh, now I'm releasing some movies on there. We just put out a, a new short documentary called you smell like a goat. It's really good. Are you going to put that out for everyone else? It's on the Patreon. Oh, you're going to just leave it on the Patreon for now? Because when I was like, you should put on the Patreon, I thought it was more just like, oh, that'll be an early release on the Patreon. But we'll, yeah. we'll see. I mean, I, it's crazy that this many people listen to our podcast and so few, few people come over to the Patreon. I'm like, we put out all this free content. All we're asking for is a dollar. <laughs> like, so, yeah, I don't know. Every, I'm just trying to encourage people to, uh, to put their money where their mouth is. Come support us. You know, it really helps right now. It really fucking helps. Yeah, I, I've the, seen so many artists drop off their artistic journey because they didn't make it sustainable and uh, we're trying to make this sustainable so we could keep doing this into the foreseeable future and the only way to support us in doing that is patreon cool so patreon.com slash church of chill not to give you a talking to but fucking come on <laughs> what the fuck if you made it this far if you made it this far fucking hook us up with a dollar please <laughs> We don't need your dollar. Just, I don't need it just, your dollar. It, it fills our heart with like, okay, there's people out there that fucking care. We'll yeah. just want to see this grow and continue. Yeah. And because yeah. and, what we do when we make money is we put it back into stuff. We put it into the community. Like we put so it into hosting events. We just host events and fucking yeah, make so, movies and travel yeah, so and hang out with our friends and get Airbnbs. and Try yeah. to make something interesting for you guys to yeah, consume. Exactly. You know, so... We love you. Patreon or not, you're awesome. See you on Patreon. Okay, peace, peace and love. Peace, love, and magic. <laughs>